Good morning, church. Yeah, to those of you who are here in the auditorium and for those of you watching online, just want to give you a warm welcome and a special shout out to all our fathers and grandfathers and fathers-to-be. Happy Father's Day, guys. Um, now, today... I would like to talk a little bit about fatherhood. And for the women in our audience, I'm going to beg your indulgence um, as I want to direct my thoughts primarily to the guys, to the fathers, especially the younger fathers. Um, but please do lean in and listen in because many of the principles we'll talk about are not gender specific. Um, guys, let me, let me also um, apologize to begin with. If I say anything that touches a nerve or something sensitive, which causes a little hard conversation in the car on the way home, <laughs> it was definitely not intended. I, I, I got to share this with you. I, one time I was on a cruise with my, with my wife, and those of you who have been on cruises, you know they, they have formal nights where, where guys dress up and look like a flock of penguins, and, and women are in um, really nice evening gowns and so on. So I was dispatched to the laundry room to remove creases from my wife's dress and my jacket. And while in the laundry room, with a steam wand, I was taking some creases out of my wife's dress, then putting my iron in delicate setting, I was taking creases out. And two women in the laundry room were watching me intently. And one came over and said, sir, I hope you m don't mind my asking, but what do you do for a living? <laughs> and then I told her, and then she said, so how come you know how to do that? I said, well, ironing, doesn't everybody know how to iron? And then she said, they both looked at each other and said, we got to show our husbands this. And then they take off. Now, I literally quickly did my stuff, grabbed my stuff, and ran out of that room. I didn't want to get the guys in trouble because they would have been ambushed. They would have been blindsided. I could have spoiled their evening on their entire vacation. And it was unintended. So, guys, pardon me. Um, so... We want to talk a little bit about, little bit about fatherhood. Um, fatherhood comes from God. We have been created in his image, and by his grace, he adopts us, adopts us as sons and daughters when we accept him. Notice there's a condition. Consequently, all of us, Fathers, mothers, single men, single women, we share in the fatherhood. But natural fathers are meant to share in that fatherhood in a special, more direct way. This means that fathers are to do what God does. Because God defends, he protects, he initiates, he motivates, and he sustains. Now, in Scripture, God is described as our rock and our shield and our defender. Um, he initiates a relationship with us. He loved us first. 
And then he chose us, not the other way around. He, motiva he motivates us through his spirit um, to be the best we can be, to our highest potential. And he sustains us. In him we, we live and move and have our being. And also, whatever God starts, God finishes. The good work he starts in us, he will see it through to the end. So how do we share, share in God's fatherhood? You know, um, we need to defend life and, and, and share the values that protect life. Those values comprise what is true, what is right, what is good, what is just, what is compassionate and loving. Now, if we defend life and the values that protect it, we are actively sharing in God's fatherhood. Now, man, um, while, while we can do our best to live out God's example as a father, we will always be imperfect vessels because only God himself can truly be the perfect example of a father, a father that's loving and compassionate and caring and forgiving. I'm so glad that I can call him father, aren't you? I mean, what then is the image? Uh, father, I, I need to tell you this. Do you realize that you are shaping your child's concept of his or her heavenly father? They see him like you. What then is the image that they have of God when they see you as a mirror image of their heavenly father? Now, kids love to copy their dads. I know I did. My dad was a big powerful guy. He was a strong guy. Um, you know, didn't quite make it like him. His arms look more like my thighs, you know. Um, but my dad, he was popular. He was well-known, very sociable, um, was giving to his community. Um, he was an excellent tenor, sung in a church choir and with a quartet. Um, there's so much I wanted to be like my dad. Um, you know, some family members who knew me when I was a kid say, I still have some of his mannerisms. And that, you know something, that's great. Because it honors a father to be, to be imitated. And we are commanded to honor our fathers. And so the most important question a father can ask himself is not, what shall I teach my children? But rather, who am I before the living God and before my children? You see, we are expected to be imitators of God. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Note that this passage speaks of unconditional and sacrificial love required of us if we are truly to imitate Christ. Now, I believe that all human fatherhood should be patterned 
on the divine fatherhood. The overarching guide that every father should be is to live in such a way that his children can see what God the Father is like. They ought to see in their human father a reflection, as imperfect as it is, of the heavenly father in his strength and his tenderness, his wrath and his mercy. Yes, I did say wrath, that too. His exaltation and his condescension, his surpassing wisdom and patient guidance. Now, when we talk about his exaltation, think of Christ in glory and the splendor of heaven and leaving that to come to, to live with us as human and taking the position of a servant and enduring the agony and the shame of the cross. The task of every human father is to be for his children an image of his father in heaven. We're now left to ponder, how can I be like my own heavenly father? We are taught in scripture to imitate our heavenly father. The Bible says we are to be holy as he is holy. And we are to be merciful as he is merciful. That's a very high bar. Now, you're probably thinking, did his wife put something in his coffee this morning? How can he possibly expect this of us? We're human. I, I mean, come on, you're asking the impossible here. You know something? That's probably true. If we were to do that in our own power. But remember this. If we are in Christ, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. The counselor from whom we receive wisdom and revelation so we can better know the things of God. That's where our power comes from. And that's why we're able to do what might seem impossible. Yes, it appears overwhelming, tall order. Can I ever be that good a father? Where do I start? There are no manuals. My dad did it by trial and error. And I'm expected to do the same. You know, there's an old African proverb which asks, how do you eat an elephant? You know the answer? One bite at a time. Just, just, just take it little, little at a time. Now, what I'd like to do is just take three bite-sized pieces of a dad's role in the family. Now, God equipped dads to be protectors of a family. Now, there are few men I know who wouldn't die for their family in order to protect them if needed. But beyond protecting them from literal physical harm or death, there are many practical things we can do in our daily lives to protect them from temptation and other kinds of dangers. Dads, as a protector in your home, for example, Take your television. Are there channels on your TV that your kids can access that can harm them? Now, today, most kids I know have a cell phone. Do you know what apps are on your kid's phone? Who they're chatting with online? 
Do you know anything about their activities in social media? Now, don't get me wrong. I am not asking you to deny access to the technology. In today's day and age, that would be totally wrong. I'm also not asking you to deny your kids the right to make age-appropriate decisions of their own. That is how they grow. But as a dad, or as a parent, you need to provide guidance. You also need to be aware. And who are their friends? Do you know your kids' friends? Where are they when they're not at home? Do you set clear boundaries? Now, I, I used to insist to my kids, I want to know your friends. Bring your kids home. And they did. And, and very often our family room looked like Grand Central Station. It was a mini United Nations. Um, I don't know if you'd call it a downside, but I can tell you one thing. Make sure you have a well-stocked fridge and, and, and lots, of, lots of munchies and so on. Um, young teens have voracious appetites. But I enjoyed connecting with the kids, getting to know who they are, meeting some of the parents, developing long-standing relationships. But what it also did was gave me an insight in the kind of influences that my kids were exposed to. And then let me ask you a question, maybe a little uncomfortable. Some of you as husbands, do you watch stuff? Do you watch things that have the potential to hinder the relationship with your wife? Does your wife have access to your phone if she needed to and vice versa? Does she feel protected and cared for consistently? And then, God expects dads to provide for their family. The Latin word for father is pater, P-A-T-E-R, from which we get the word paternal. And, um, you know, in Roman families, this, this literally meant nourisher, protector, a person who is acknowledged as exercising authority within a family, a household, or a group. Now, every father has the duty of providing food, clothing, shelter, comfort, and protection for their household. We know that in contemporary society, that provision is joint. It is shared. And in many households, quite frankly, mom earns more than dad. But that does not absolve dad of the responsibility. The Bible says... Uh, nope. Sorry about that. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Those are pretty strong words. Are you striving to provide for the needs of your family on the most basic level? This means working diligently to ensure they have enough food, clothing, and a safe place to live. But hear this. Providing stability goes far beyond meeting physical needs. Do your children know they're loved unconditionally? And do they feel safe and secure around you? 
Now, I felt safe and secure around my dad, not because he was a powerful, strong man, but I knew my dad loved me. And no matter what the situation, I just had that secure feeling that everything was going to turn out right because my dad loves me and nothing's going to go wrong with me. Well, God told us that he will never leave us or forsake us. Do you believe that today? If you do, then you should feel secure in, your presence, in his presence. And like every dad, your family needs to feel secure around you. Do you administer discipline with fairness? Do you treat your wife with consideration and respect? Are you quick to forgive and overlook what you consider offenses? Do you apologize when needed? This kind of emotional provision is just as important as physical provision. You see, love, trust, and respect are bound together, and they are foundational for every strong relationship. But hear this. Apologies are not just meant for wives. What about your kids? Do you ever apologize to your kids when you wrong them? I had a very humbling experience. One of my sons was involved in a telephone conversation one night that I did not approve of. Spoke to him about it, and it continued. Spoke to him again, and it continued. And I just lost it. And I just laid into him. And I said some stuff which I've already repented of it. Used some language which is unbecoming <laughs> of who I am and, and, and the God I served. And it, it, it was not good. And I, I walked out of his room with a swagger saying, there, I told him. Got in my bed and I couldn't sleep because I knew I was wrong. I was out of line. Next morning, my son had to leave early. And I chased him out of the house and I met him in the driveway. I said, son, I said some things last night. I really feel terrible. I am sorry. I was out of line. Will you forgive me? And he looked me in the eye and with tears welling up in his eyes. And I still remember the, <laughs> the words he said. He said, you mashed me, dad. And that's the word he used. He said, you mashed me. And I expected him now to give me some choice words and turn and walk off. But he reached over and he hugged me. And he said, I love you, Dad. I says, I forgive you. I didn't deserve it the way I treated him. And you know, later on as I reflected on it, I think of all the times that I, and perhaps you, have stepped out of line with God. And we have a God who is a God full of grace. And that if we repent of what we do and just ask for his forgiveness, he is ready again to embrace us and tell us how much he loves us. Reconciliation happens. God exhorts dads to be priests for the family. 
I use the word priest in a very generic way. In strict biblical terms, the priest represented the people and was mediator at God. Now, of course, Jesus is our high priest who mediates between us and the Father. And as Christians, we no longer need a human mediator to go to God. 1 Timothy 2 and 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. He's, he's our high priest. But we can still use this as a model for spiritually leading our families. Excuse me. Through fervent prayer, we get the sacred opportunity to go to God on behalf of our loved ones. Not only on behalf of our wife and children, but our friends and extended family members as well. Now, men, I challenge you to take responsibility for spiritual leadership in your homes. The reality is most of us received our grounding, our spiritual grounding, from the influential women in our lives. Mothers, grandmothers, aunts, later on in life, her wives, and they've done a great job. But guys, it's time to step up and take our responsibility as spiritual leaders in our homes. It is our preeminent role. But remember this, the operative word here is role. Role does not mean unequal. God doesn't consider wives inferior or inadequate or less important or less responsible than their husbands. Besides, only an unwise man would reject his wife's opinions and assistance. After all, the Lord has created her as his best earthly resource. Leadership also does not mean being boss. It is about your ability to inspire, to align, and to activate. Now, I realize I have to tread carefully here. Christians have varying opinions about the practical mechanics of spiritual leadership in the home. But I am convinced that if a husband and a wife have a healthy Christian relationship, they make decisions together as equals, looking to Christ as the ultimate head of the home. They compare their individual aptitudes and assume tasks based on their individual strengths. In some areas, they share tasks jointly. But they also should recognize that in the final analysis, Dad, you should carry the greater responsibility for leadership. Spend time in prayer each day, remembering the needs and concerns of your wife. Pray for the salvation and the faith of your children. You may be the only person in the world praying for them on a regular basis. Now, one of my sons at one point thought of God as a great killjoy in the sky. And, you know, sometimes I know he'd call me from, from university 
and make little comments, and I think that was intended really just to shake me up. So that got wasted last night. Uh-huh. And you feel great today, right? No, not really. Good. Lesson learned. Um, anyway, my wife and I spent hours on our knees praying for our son, that he would see the error of his ways. Fast forward to a day, third year university, got a call from my son, says, Dad, decided that I'm going to turn my life around and I am going to follow Jesus. I says, I've already called the church. So Tim Moore, same Tim Moore you just saw a while ago, is going to baptize me in a few weeks. And, you know, after we hung up the phone, you know, it was praise the Lord, happy dance. I'm not going to embarrass myself and show you any of the moves. Um, happy dance, you know, praise God, high fives all around, and down on our knees again said, thank God. Don't give up on your kids. Keep on praying for them. You know, I, I, I'm reminded of a father and a prodigal son who kept scanning the horizon, hoping that one day his son gonna come walking back, having thought things through and said, this isn't good. I need to come back to the father. And many of us here today have probably gone our own way. It's time to come back. Never, never give up on your kids. Uh, I have found that in order to really pray for my family in a meaningful way, I need to be listening intently to them. And I'm talking about active listening. It's not about me basically just waiting for an opportunity to share my opinion and laying down the law as I see it. Active listening means hearing what they have to say, understanding what they have to say, and sort of looking at things from their perspective and their opinion. And only then can you really deal with things. Ask for clarification when you need it. Repeat, you know, do I understand you to mean this or that? You know, um, in, our, in our family, we were as busy as you are. I mean, there was, there was music, there was swimming, there was basketball, there was soccer, there was karate. Um, there was, um, you know, mom and dad had demanding careers. Um, dad was also a coach. We were busy. But we insisted that there were at least two times during the week where we were going to sit down and have a meal together as a family. And this wasn't just about breaking bread. This was about a time for conversation, healthy conversation where we could agree, where we could disagree, where we could debate. What that does is there is connection. You have a deep understanding of the rest of your family. And then there was a particular evening when we had family devotions where we laid down the foundations of our faith. And then I am certain that my son coming back to the Lord later on must have hearkened back to many of those meetings, and that would have been the rock that he was able to stand on to, to sort of make his way back. You know, as a father listening, when you hear there are issues, then your response should be, how can I help? I'm here to serve. 
If we're looking to Jesus Christ as our model, this can only mean one thing. Leading requires that we follow the path of a servant leader. Jesus put it this way. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever decide, desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A spiritual servant leader then imitates Christ, He's tuned into his family's needs and concerned for his spiritual welfare. He looks for ways to help its members grow in their relationship with God. He provides physical support. He provides grace and encouragement. And he's ready to protect and help and defend in hard times and in good times. In season and out of season. He's ready to lay down his life for those who have been entrusted to his care. If Jesus, the King of Kings, came as a humble servant, how much more should we devote ourselves to serving our families in humility? Now, there are certain qualities that are required in a dad and a husband who desires to fulfill this high and holy calling as protector, provider, and priest. First, a godly man loves God. A godly man must have a strong connection with his heavenly father, finding his happiness in Christ first. Realizing that he can lead effectively only if he maintains an intimate relationship with the Lord. In John 15 and verse 5, Jesus describes himself as the vine. And he describes us as the branches. And he says, we got to stay connected. And he reminds us, you know, that apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to be connected to Christ in order to be godly men. And second, a godly man loves his wife. Ephesians 5, 20 and 29 says the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Now, we're not just talking about romantic love here. Sure, there should be heaping copious bucketfuls of that. Um, it's, it's about the love that does not say, I love you if... It's a love that's unconditional. It's the kind of love that is enumerated in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7. You know, loves that's patient and kind and truthful and humble and trustful and so on. Check it out. Here's a sobering thought, guys. Your sons are learning from you about how to treat their wives. 
One day they will treat their wives the same way you treat their mother. Think about it. Next, a godly father loves his children. Love is more than provision of material things. We live in a busy world, but don't miss your children's childhood. There is no second chance of childhood. Life can be busy. Make family a priority. In 1974, a guy named Harry Chapin did a song. Yeah, he was called The Cats in the Cradle. I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember that. Had a chorus that goes something like, Cats in the cradle and the silver moon, Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, But we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. Guess what? Dad never had time for that getting together because dad was so busy making a living that he didn't have time to live. Um, I'd like to share a couple of verses of that song with you. Um, the song goes through life stages and the relationship between dad and son. It says, my son turned 10 the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, uh, not today. I got a lot to do, he said. That's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. It said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be like him. So we fast forward, and Dad's getting a bit older. Nothing's changed. And then Dad says, I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my job's a hassle and the kids have the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And then Dad says, as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, He'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. Be careful of the example you set. Then there's a girl who called her hotshot professional parents, mom and dad, and says, as of today, I no longer want to be your daughter. I want to be a client. <laughs> that way, I'll make it to your calendar and I'll get a little bit of attention. <laughs> they need your presence, not your presence. Get it? Um, this is a scripture that was read earlier for us. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. You can't be telling your kids they're losers and screw-ups and expect self-confidence to be brimming over. When discipline is required, do it in love and not out of anger. Do not nag or exasperate or vex your kids. And then finally, 
A godly father is a man of integrity. I have heard integrity described as who you are when nobody's looking. Integrity results when things are integrated, when beliefs and behavior fit together. One of my favorite scripture passages, Micah 6 and 8. He has shown you, O man, or O mortal, and we're not talking about gender here. We're talking mankind, men and women. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, this passage is talking about moral integrity, which includes equity and fairness and generosity and loyalty and grace. That we're talking about walking humbly, which is about lifestyle, a circumspect lifestyle which brings our life in conformity with God's will. Dad must be balanced in his commitments and nurturing in his concern for the mental and emotional needs of each family member. He must be proactive, spotting potential challenges for the welfare of his wife and children and collaboratively coming up with workable solutions to the problems. Dads, Word of God is challenging you to be a godly father and leader today. Are you ready for the challenge? We talked about being a godly man. There is a first step that needs to be taken. To be a godly man, you need to have Christ in you. Have you yet taken that step and surrendered your life to Christ? Is Christ your Lord? the resurrected Christ, then if you haven't done that yet, what better day to do it than Father's Day 2022? There are no rituals, no initiation rites, no secret handshakes. It's, it's about surrendering to Christ, acknowledging your sinfulness, Seeking is forgiveness. It's about receiving forgiveness. And the promise of eternal life. Are you ready for the challenge? If you imitate your daddy... If you imitate Christ, you can do this. I don't care how impossible you think it is. So who is your daddy? The creator of the universe, the king of kings, the lord of lords, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's your daddy. Are you up to the challenge? Will you just bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Lord, I ask you today to bless every father and every grandfather with the best of your spiritual blessings today.
Let him know that he's not alone in the tasks you have given him to provide for and support for those under his care. Show him how much you delight in his work and affirm the value of whatever you've given him to do, both as a father and a grandfather and as a child of yours. Confirm his worth daily so that he has no reason to doubt whether he's loved in the eyes of his heavenly father. Create in him a deep sense of trust in you, knowing that he can count on you to help him lead and protect those dependent on him. Let him know that every unselfish act of love and encouragement that he has offered has been a gift that you receive gladly. Show him how effective the prayers of a godly man really are and what a difference he has and can make to those around him, no matter how big or small the assignment. When challenging times push him beyond his limits, assure him that you can take him further because nothing is impossible for you. Remind him daily that nothing can ever separate him from your love. Help him to grasp firmly the promises of your word, standing with faith on the things you declare are true. Reward him for his faithfulness past, present, and future, assuring him that true success and satisfaction don't lie in his accomplishments or accolades, but in the steadfast, Christ-like character you are forming in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.